0: going to talk about what we focus our attention upon this morning. We become like the things we focus on. Or put another way, we become like that which we give our attention to. And what it is that we give our attention to in our thinking, in our doing, in our speaking, in our everyday lives, whatever it is that we focus upon, we become like that and we focus our attention um, upon those things and we become like it. One thing for sure About 2018, I don't know about you, but often when we we enter a new year, we're like, I wonder what it will kind of have for me and and all the rest. And one thing I think is probably going to be on the agenda for me is I am going to have to succumb to a visit to the opticians. Now, my eyesight's good enough to look at you and to see your attention and to see your expression there that kind of says to me... He's not old enough to want, want glasses, just I can't believe that. Isn't that true? I saw it on your face, Janet. It was like, really? That young? So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely belligerent. I blame my father for this. He was exactly the same when he got to the age, and I remember it as a child. Oh, I don't need glasses and all this, and I'm in that denial kind of period. But the reality is this. I'm confessing before you there's the dim light and the books and there's only so much of this that I can keep kind of doing and even with the iPad you know even with the finger and thumb of kind of making the font size even bigger you know after a while the words are just gonna go across the screen I'm just not gonna be able to see it so I I know I'm living in denial but at the same time I'm, I'm being honest with you it's frustrating though isn't it those of you who've been there That period of kind of trying to do this, trying to get some kind of focus so that you can actually read the words. This morning as we gather together, our focus is upon Jesus. And if we're really honest, there are some of us here this morning who you have lost your focus upon him. And if you haven't lost your focus, you're kind of in that period of kind of trying to get some focus but there's other things in our lives that are just kind of blocking us getting that real clear focus and attention upon Jesus. If we don't make him our focus, we make something else or someone else our focus. The Bible calls that idolatry. And we make a God, small g, out of something or someone else. And it takes our focus and our attention off of him and it's placed onto something else. So if we think about making money and possessions, we become greedy, self-centered, and poor in spirit. If we think about sex and we look at things that we shouldn't, we become lustful, self-centered, and potentially inappropriate. If we worry incessantly about what might happen, we bow the knee to fear, and we don't take steps of faith that Jesus is inviting us into. If we lick our wombs, of hurt by others we hold people at a distance and we don't trust in one another any longer why do we do these things we've lost our focus we've lost our focus on Jesus and partly we do these things because we're in a battle we remind ourselves again this morning we are in a battle and it's not against flesh and blood it's against the spiritual things of this world that we don't often see. And before we know it, our gaze and our attention is off of Jesus and it's onto something else. I read this on one of Chantel's things that she reads uh, by many of the women heroes that she uh, reads. It says this, the enemy wouldn't target you if he didn't see you as a threat. If you have been through the fire, rest assured, there is something inside of you the enemy fears. Remember, light does not fear darkness. It is the darkness that is afraid of the light. So for the rest of this morning, I simply want to identify five things, five areas where I think the enemy comes. And he comes to steal our focus off of Jesus and place it onto something and someone else. And the first one is relational conflict. Uh, I've probably shared this before, uh, but there'll be many that have never heard this. So if you've heard this before, apologies. Um, in my younger years, over the years, I, I uh, dated um, some other girls. <laughs> and um, and there, were, there were three previous girlfriends that, I, if I'm really honest, I really loved. This is before I was married to the one that I truly love. Why is it so funny? I've shared this story before, haven't I? Haven't I? Yes, Brian has. This isn't the garden shed one. No, that was another one. (laughs) And if you're unsure about that, I shouldn't tell earlier. Later even. Oh, my goodness. That does. I know. That's what I mean. It's not dodgy. So, anyway. So... On three previous occasions, each one of them, I can name them, they ended it. They, I know. I know. More, please. They ended it. Yes, I know. I know. And each and every time, this is the true point. This is where I need you to be serious. I was gutted, absolutely gutted. That, that feeling of being really hurt. That feeling of rejection of what is wrong with me or what is it? And, and uh, honestly, with all of them, it just took me time to kind of recover. But I remember on the third time, third strike, I remember thinking, feeling and saying these words. I am never going to let anyone else do that to me again. And I did not realize what I was doing at that point. You can understand why I'd say that, can't you? Because in our place of hurt, in our place of pain, we do things and we say things because we feel hurt. But what I was inadvertently doing without even realizing it, and this is where I think we don't realize that we're doing it. I was making a vow and I was making a promise and the promise simply was this, I am now choosing not to let anyone else come close to me in that way because I'm not going to let them hurt me again. And guess what? I was single for quite a long time. I went through university with only one kiss. Three years. Can you believe that, Angela? Can you believe that? I can't believe it. Three years as a single man. One kiss. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. What? And that I was so well behaved at university, it was unbelievable. Three years, what a dry spell. (laughs) The point is this, I made a vow without even realising it. And the number of us through hurt, through relational hurt, through someone doing something, through someone saying something, we put the barriers up and we make these choices and we don't even... Realize that we're doing it. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationship. I'm I'm actually talking much more about just friendships and what have you. Where there are people, there are problems. When there are people together, there is always conflict. And the church of Jesus is not immune. And actually, it's one of the places where it can be extremely common. And Carrick Vineyard is not immune to that. We will fall out with each other. This year, some of us, some of you are going to get annoyed and upset with each other. That is fact. It is going to happen. That's for sure. But it's what you do with that that is the important thing. The Bible teaches this. It simply says this, live in harmony with one another. Seek to do that. So when conflict occurs this year, acknowledge it. See that it's happened, but do something about it. Seek one-to-one to restore broken relationship with each other. That often requires humility. That often requires a willingness to hold your hands up and go, I was wrong there, and I am sorry for that. And then lastly, learn to trust and love again. Learn to do that and choose uh, to do that with each other. Relational conflict, but it's how we deal with it. We, uh, at Vineyard, we often say things like this, is having adult-to-adult relationships. We refuse to gossip. We refuse and we protect one another's relationship and we protect the leadership of the church by refusing to talk about things behind everyone else's back. To take it to the person that caused the offense directly one-to-one and have the honest conversation if that doesn't go very well then bring someone else along with you you'll find that in matthew 18 or 19 i think when jesus speaks about those things that's how we do it it's about mature honest relationship and the other thing is this i want to say with regards to conflict is is deal with it don't just smooth it under the carpet the, uh, dare I say, uh, the culture of, of lots of, of this nation is conflict averse simply because there's been so much conflict and we need to kind of take it head on but in the right way. We often take our focus off Jesus actually because of relational conflict and another um, Another thing that happens, and it can be linked to this, and sometimes for other reasons. Second point is relational isolation. One of many amazing things that Mother Teresa came out saying was this: she said, uh, "One of the greatest diseases of our day is not the obvious diseases of physical illness and what have you. One of the greatest diseases of our modern day life is loneliness. It's being on our own." Now. Some of you will know this, that I, I was really, really ill before Christmas. Thank you. I needed more of that again. I was setting myself up for some more attention. Sorry, this is bad. I shouldn't do that. But I was, I, I, honestly, I was in bed for about four or five days and it was pretty grim. And in those moments, I'll be honest with you, I felt really, really alone. <laughs> and I felt really, like, sad about things. You can have a thousand friends on Facebook and still feel lonely. You can have X number of followers on Twitter, Instagram, or whatever else it is, but you can still feel isolated and alone. There is a genuine concern amongst the way that we connect with one another, and that's why it makes our one to one, our community time of, of community and relationship with one another so important. And the church has such a brilliant thing to offer with regards to that. One of the ways in which I think Chantelle has been journeying her pain uh, recently about losing Ruth, one of the reasons is because she's journeyed that with community. She's journeyed it with other people. The Bible says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to mourn with those who mourn. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about two about better than one. It's about being with each other. And one of the key ways that we keep our focus on Jesus is by running alongside other people. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I know when I start to drift, spiritually speaking, when I start to lose my focus on Jesus is when I begin to isolate my own life. And I begin to pull back relationally from other people. And I know that I need to connect with people that are going to spur me on. Many of you will know I I enjoy running, I enjoy being part of the local running club here in, in the town. And it's been so good for me with regards to meeting new people, but it's also been so good in terms of spurring me on. There are people I run with that are. Uh, really spur me on to really going at it really kind of hard. And I know when I'm with these guys and girls, they really help focus me. I don't think I need to make the parallel, do I? I think you kind of get it. You understand the importance of being with others. And that's why our life groups are so, so important. Relational isolation is one of the enemy's greatest tactics of taking our focus off of Jesus. We need to connect with one another, journey with one another, and sharpen each other as we do life together. The third thing is self-worship. Self-worship basically just means anything and everything that will take our gaze off of him that we begin to indulge in our own selfish desires. It could include chasing after wealth, getting drunk, looking at pornography, excessive shopping, self-obsession with our bodies, and a whole lot more. Anything and everything. And I've noticed this as well. When I begin to take my focus off of Jesus, those things of the world just become much more appealing. There's just an allure that comes with it. The temptation rises even more, and the trap towards anything like that just becomes much stronger. Paul writes in Romans, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. That's our own selfish nature when he uses the word flesh there. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The verses speak for themselves. Flesh meaning self, meaning selfish meaning pleasing yourself, meaning what the world offers equals death. Spirit, meaning God, meaning peace, meaning joy, meaning freedom, equals life. And then to our last two ways that I think the enemy uses to great avail, to take our focus off Jesus. One is disappointment. And Chantelle did a great job. Gonna mention it again just last week about the disappointment. We'll have experienced those times when we've prayed earnestly for something to happen, for God to step in and move, and He doesn't answer our prayers the way we wanted him to do. Some of you might have experienced the disappointment of trying for a baby and it not happening. You've experienced the disappointment, like I mentioned earlier, of a relationship that didn't go the way you wanted it to go. It could be disappointment of your children and the way in which they turned out. They didn't turn out quite the way I expected them to. You really thought you were gonna get that job that you pinned your hopes upon, it didn't happen. You invested your finances into such and such and then the stock market crashed or the housing market fell. The disappointment, <coughs> disappointments of life. And you know one of the sorest disappointments that I see all the time and I see it through our conversations that we have is the disappointment of a God-given dream that he gave you and you dared to step out in faith only for that thing not to happen the way you thought it was going to go and what does it do? It leaves that disappointment and it robs and it kills and it destroys Because that's what disappointment does. It steals our hope and our joy and it creates sadness. And it rocks our faith, our belief, our trust and it makes us question, did I really hear God in the first place? Was it really what I was meant to do? And we question our ability and we question his ability as well. Disappointment can leave us feeling like something inside of us has died. It can be actually that severe and it requires us to go before Jesus honestly and invite him into that pain, into that sorrow, into that disappointment that we would allow him to speak tenderly to us, to increase our faith, to restore our joy, to dare to have courage to step out again in what it is that he's asking us for. And then lastly, fear and anxiety. Many of us are so gripped by the what-ifs and the buts and the things that just prevent us from actually doing the very things that God has called us to do. And it can manifest itself in so many different guises. It could be phobias, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, fear of fill in the blank, just about anything and everything. OCD, incessant ruminating about the past, just general worry. Many of these things are actually founded on nothing that's actually concrete. Many of them never come to pass. Many of them are actually not really real. But the reality is, for many of us who suffer in those ways, they They feel really real and they seem really real those of you know me well this is my deal this is the thing I wrestle with the thorn in my side the wound, the whatever it might be and for years I have gone before the Lord trying to make some kind of sense of this why do I get so uptight about certain things why is it that that just seems to rob kill and destroy so often and my conclusion is this could be right, could be wrong. One, I think partly I have a propensity towards just being a bit uptight about things. My DNA, literally. And then a couple of other things. One is, I think probably my past and an upbringing in a, in, a, in a household that wasn't always that stable. And it created as a young child and, and hardwired a brain and a, an ability to be fearful about, oh, what might happen. I think that's a significant part of it for me. And then lastly is, uh, is we have an enemy that knows that wound and pokes at it and probes at it knowing that that's going to disable. It's just going to disable. But, you know, God's called us to great things. He's called us to step out in faith. And I tell you, there are things that we do that scares the something out of us but God's called us to step out and be obedient to his voice to do those very things and we cannot allow fear and anxiety to get in the way Jesus said these words therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough uh, trouble of its own I've read that hundreds of times, oh, definitely, definitely over a hundred times in my life. And you kind of read the words and you, you, you're familiar to that, many of you, I'm sure. Do not worry about today. Da, da, da. I've just found over the last number of weeks, as I've been practicing these words, putting Jesus' words into action, that's always a good thing to do. That as I do that, I I Honestly, I've found the freedom most recently that I've not experienced for a long time. For a long time. And I'm glad that I can say these things. It's always nice, you know, you can be honest about yourself. But to actually see freedom come, do not worry about today, tomorrow. There's enough today to think about, to contend with, and what have you. I tell you, it's been one of the most freeing things ever putting into practice the things that Jesus said, that we would focus then our attention upon him, not about the or what could happen or what might go wrong or whatever it might be. We come into land, focus, focusing our attention on Jesus this year. At some point I know that going to the optician is going to be a life-giving decision. Fortunately for me, I have a wife who will keep bleating, I mean encouraging me to just get over it and go and do it. But she can't make me go to the opticians. I have to choose to be the one who's going to go and do that. And our relationship with Jesus and our focus and our attention on him is our own decision and we have our own choices to make. Fortunately for you, you have some pastors who like to bleat, I mean encourage you to make good choices and we have environments, left, right and centre, where you can gather together with other people and run together to do that. But our your walk with Jesus is not our responsibility. It is only your responsibility. But we do encourage you. We encourage one another. We build each other up in love this year. Well, let's spur each other on towards relationship with him and it will change us from the inside out. And he'll equip us and he'll empower us and he'll send us to go and make a difference to this broken, hurting world in which we live in.